Hey, it's Lindsay. Everything in this series will make a lot more sense if you start with episode one. Also, a warning, we're going to talk about sexual assault in explicit terms. And there's some swearing. Dr. Suzanne Tomashow is a pediatrician, so she knows what to do when her daughters get sick. Back in 2014, her oldest, Amanda, is in grad school when an old cheerleading injury starts flaring up. So Suzanne recommends a doctor she had known since med school. And I said, well, Amanda, I've got the perfect person for you to go see, Dr. Nassar. Suzanne is on her way home from work when she gets a call from Amanda. Amanda sounds frantic. She's just gotten out of her appointment with Larry, tells Suzanne what happened. I think my words were, that's disgusting. I was, I was, it was repulsive. I could not fathom what had just happened and what she was telling me. It was like, what? He did what to you? And she repeated it to me a couple of times. And I said, well, that's just not okay. It's not okay. We've heard this before. It's not okay. Amanda is going to tell you her story. In some ways, it will be a familiar one. But in this episode, you will also hear Larry's side of the story in his own words. Because this time, we have the tape. I'm Kate Wells. And I'm Lindsay Smith. This is Believed. In the last couple of episodes, you heard how Larry abused a young girl and a teenager. Amanda is different. She's an adult, wants to be a doctor like her mom. She's funny, but she's also got this sense of moral responsibility. If something is wrong, she wants to fix it. You're going to hear from Amanda in a few minutes. For now, just know there are two chapters to her story. And the first starts with the Michigan State University Police. After Amanda complains about Larry, a detective asks him to come in for a chat. We got the tape of this police interview through a public information request. It's dated May 29, 2014. Um, so I'm Miller Ryan. I'm a lieutenant back in our detective bureau. Larry Nassar is inside the police department at Michigan State University. Detective Valerie O'Brien walks him into a bland, gray interview room. It's okay if I turn on my computer. It takes a while. Oh, yeah, not a problem. She apologizes. It's a little cramped. At any time you feel like when I get the heck out of here, you can get out, walk out. My feelings won't be hurt, okay? Okay. Um, so I guess what I'm looking for is... Larry tells Detective O'Brien he has been waiting for her call. The university put him on leave after Amanda's complaint. He seems relieved to be here, like he is finally getting a chance to sort out a terrible misunderstanding. What I was told was that, and that was that the the patient was concerned that I was inappropriately touching her and didn't understand why. And that's, those are two things that confuse me because I, I, I do this on a regular basis. This is, this is a treatment that I... As you hear Larry describe his version of what happened on that grainy police video... We're going to weave in the other version, Amanda's, as she told it to us. It it was supposed to be a quick appointment. We want you to hear Larry and Amanda's stories side by side. 30 minutes is the quickest appointment that you're going to have with me. But it was like a two-hour, three-hour appointment. It's 30 to 60 minutes, okay, because I do a lot of hands-on and I do a lot of mentoring. You know, I do a lot of talking. 
Listening this way, you can hear for yourself how Larry gets people to believe him, not Amanda. How he constructs an alternate reality where he's not abusing these girls, he's healing them. To be able to do this stuff, and to be able to do this stuff for so long, if you don't have patient confidence and patient trust, you would have been had my ass in here how many times? Right, right. Okay, okay. Especially when I'm doing this, I'm ten year olds, twelve year olds. Okay, with their parents there, but I'm obviously doing a doggone good job explaining things. Okay, because what? Kate and I are still here with you, but we are going to let this tape play out for a while. He remembered me from my high school appointment. He knew my mom, so we kind of like weirdly caught up. You know, I, I right now I couldn't even tell you what she looks like. Okay, okay. I mean, like, but you know who we're referring to. Obviously, I don't even know her first name. Okay. That's so Detective Val O'Brien. I, I can't even recall her first name. Okay, I told him about the diagnosis he'd given me uh, that my arches were too high and um, he took my foot and put it on his leg and like examined it and then like pulled it like like pulled it closer and like it was just like so uncomfortably close to his groin I was just like this is weird was I too involved talking to her did I get into her space not And there was this moment where I was like, what's going on? And I looked up at the resident because she was across the room. And we were both kind of like, this is weird. But um, she was there. And then to the resident, he's like, oh, have you ever seen a, I don't know, some weird injury? Well, like, there's one going on down the hall. We're just going to finish up in here if you want to go check it out. So do you remember in this specific incident, like when the resident left or was it in there? I don't remember, you know, but... Um, um, I was I, I was scared. But he was Larry Nassar, the, um, like, Olympic doctor. So she left the room, and then he first he wanted to start on my shoulder, which is when he put his hand and like massaged one of my breasts and he told me that my boyfriend needed to give me better massages if she said i was massaging it would have been like does that feel better there does that feel better there take a deep breath and then i told him that he wasn't helping and i kind of like put like pushed his hand off of me and was like you know this isn't why i'm here because his hand was like right on my boob if you touch someone wrong they should tighten up if you touch someone you know, and, and this is what I lecture on too. It's like if you do something that's inappropriate, their you, 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 their body reflexively is going to respond. And I didn't sense anything like that. And then um, he had me lay down on my stomach for the back manipulation. Then he like went and got some lotion and like started at the top of my back and kind of like worked his way down and then moved my pants down like to expose my butt crack and I it was weird but he was like just working on my back and then he like slid his hand in between my butt cheeks and like started like like circling around my like my vagina opening I tell people the the touch is a personal thing but there's a difference between palpation 
and caressing. You know, I mean, there's a total different, like, I tell a story, this is a true story, about when I was dating in medical school. And I was, the reason I went to deal school was for the hands-on stuff. And it ended shortly thereafter because we'd be intimate together. And she said, you're palpating again because I'm like, but I can fix this. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost like, you know, so I, I, I was more in tune. And that's how I've made my reputation is very in tune to the person's body. And I was like, okay, this seems really weird. This seems really inappropriate. He's under my underwear. There's nobody else in the room. He's not even wearing gloves. Like, still want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then I had this thought, wow, like, what he's doing right now could literally turn somebody on. And I was like, oh, no, this is not good. This is this is inappropriate. So what she said that your fingers went by her vagina hole right. and that she felt again that that was a massaging right. okay. nature um, and that she felt that that had went on for too long and that you hadn't explained it to her prior to you doing it. Was, was, I, was I talking to her during the time though? Like I normally so do. she says, yes again, that yeah. how does this feel? Does right. this feel better? Right. And she says that initially she says, yes, yeah, it does feel better. Right. So you continue. Right. Um, and then she says that at some point that she says that she felt that it was hurting. So she says, hey, that hurts. Can you stop? And then um, you said you stopped at that time again. Okay. That's what I was saying. It's a, it's a, um, it's an interaction, and I don't, I don't know how to say this, but that's that would be appropriate. I told him he was hurting me. I told him to stop, and he told me he was almost done. And then I just kind of like pushed him off of me. So right now, with the report is titled, just so you know, is a sexual assault. Right. Because that is, like you said, that is how she's feeling. That is what she think happened. That's her perception of things. It's okay. um, I understand her perception. Yeah, That's and so it, you can obviously see how she could feel that way. I mean, you can see the videos. I'm such. I have a whole website of education. You know, I mean, it's gymnastics doctor Facebook, gymnastics doctor YouTube, gymnastics doctor com. I'm not saying I didn't touch her there. I purpose. I purposefully touched her there. Let's stop a minute. Just want to digest this a bit. Larry's genius in this police interview, this two-and-a-half-hour police interview, is that he flips the script. You've seen Law & Order. The perp is supposed to deny everything. Larry doesn't do that. He says, of course I touched her breast. Of course I touched her vagina. It's not sexual. It's medical. This poor girl is confused. But Amanda says she remembers her appointment pretty clearly, and she definitely does not feel confused about seeing Larry with an erection. I could tell that he was aroused because, um, yeah, he had a boner. So, And then he faced the corner of the room, kind of like was like messing with his hands, and then um, came back down, sat down like at the computer. I was like, we're going to have to do that more. Like, when can you come in for a follow-up? He wanted to see me again right away. It was like the weirdest thing. Like, he was acting like it didn't just happen. Like, I didn't actually just catch him molesting, like sexually assaulting me, trying to... He was about to insert his fingers into me when I pushed him off of me. He just acted like nothing he did was wrong. Like, it was totally fine. And he even told me, you know... It's okay if you're if you're worried about being on your period. I can work around that. 
and then his computer froze. I was like, it's fine. I don't need, I'll, I'll call back. Like, he just kept on asking me, like, well, what about this day? What about that day? Throwing out all the options, like, um, he finally got his computer to work. I agreed to an appointment that I had knew there was no way I was coming to. I was just like, okay, fine, yeah, I'll take this appointment. And then I got the fuck out of there. Amanda says she told investigators about seeing Larry with an erection. But that detail isn't mentioned in the reports. We don't hear about it in the police interview either. What you can see during the interview is Larry whipping out his laptop, putting it on the table. He wants to show Detective O'Brien these videos on his computer. These are training videos he makes, the kind he puts up on his YouTube channel. That's showing like hand placement. But what you he says it'll help her understand what he's doing. See my hand, Larry asks. He points to the screen. It's right there, right in her inner rectal vaginal area. We're going to play some more of this police tape. Listen as Detective O'Brien tries to nail Larry down on specifics. Um, so there's a couple different times that she's feeling that you sexually assaulted her throughout the examination. Okay. She felt like that you were massaging her breast and that that was not part of um, the manipulation Larry dodges the question about this breast massage, just talks and talks and talks. He talks for so long, we just edited together a sample of it for you here. When you're working ribs, okay, if you can't use the arm, if your shoulder, you know, it's like, okay, because I work with crew athletes, I treat a lot, okay? It's like giving someone a mammogram, rack of back, rack of neck, you know, the usual stuff. I mean, so that's another area. It's the rib cage. You know what I mean? You're going to be on the chest wall. You're okay. There's this mild fascial techniques, but it's medical. This is Larry's playbook. He's hammering his credentials. He's bombarding you with words, lots of words, about his techniques. And the first time I watched this, I thought, if this guy were sitting across from me, flooding me with all this eagerness, expertise, and what seems like empathy, I might buy it. I, I don't know how else to say it, but I'm totally taken by surprise, but at the same time feel like crap that someone would feel that I was doing something inappropriate to them. Which is good to hear. It's, you know, it's good to hear that you feel bad that she feels well, that way. Yeah, um, because I feel like this little deviant, you know what I mean? And that's not right. And that's not, if I did something wrong, do you know how quickly that would spread like wildfire across? I mean, the out. Right, right. This is my 27th year with the team, you know what I mean, or whatever, since 1986. I've been with the team, and I'm telling you, those kids, it would go boom-chuck, 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 you know what I mean? Like, no question about it. A little later in the interview, Detective O'Brien asks Larry, have you ever gotten complaints from other patients? There's never been any complaints that you're aware of prior to this one. And obviously you're videotaping things here. You're doing Right. <laughs> well, this has been going on for forever. We're going to stop the tape here again for just a second. Because this is a key question Larry just dodged. The truth is, yeah, lots of other patients have complained about Larry at this point. By 2014, girls have told coaches, their parents, therapists, even police about Larry. Larry knows this, but Detective O'Brien does not. And a few minutes later, she asks him again, do patients tell you if they are uncomfortable? Do they, tell, do they verbalize that? 
or accommodation thereof. There has been a few times where that has been brought up, okay? And in each and every time there was sexual abuse. Stop again. The tape is garbled there. But what Larry just said was, yes, there have been a few complaints. But, he's telling this detective, those girls had all been sexually abused in the past. Okay. So that's what that's what I'm saying is when they're uncomfortable like that, it's it's been three. There's been three cases, and all three of them were sexually abused. This is really weird. For one thing, how would Larry know if a patient had a history of sexual abuse, and why would that undermine a patient's complaint about him? Bottom line, he is admitting to the police there have been three other girls who were uncomfortable during my treatments. But Detective O'Brien doesn't ask any follow-ups about these three other girls. Although the police report is partially redacted, nothing in that report, the police video or our own reporting, suggests anyone tried to track these three girls down. And then Larry suggests maybe Amanda, the woman who complained this time, maybe she also has a history of abuse. Say if, for God, God help me, she's never been, you know, sexually abused, but say if she was, how did, that's my job. Why, why would I miss that? Because then it's my job to bring help to that. You see what I'm saying? So where am I Larry is beating himself up about the possibility that Amanda was previously sexually abused and he missed it. That's my job, he says, to bring help to that. Yes, she was victimized. Yes, I was victimized to myself, okay? Because hurting someone like that ain't right, okay? It's not right. Towards the end of the interview, Detective O'Brien starts reassuring Larry. She tells him, you should take a polygraph to prove your innocence. It appears to me that you're telling me the truth sitting across me unless you know you're a great bullshitter. And, you know, you pulled the curtains over my eyes this whole time. But in combination with what I'm seeing here today, you know, I feel like you're telling me the truth. I mean, you're coming in here voluntarily. You're wanting to clear your name. Um, and that's what a polygraph can be used for also, is to clear your whatever, name. Whatever is needed. So it's not... Larry never actually takes that polygraph. The test operator says it wouldn't work in this kind of case. What he does do is send police several follow-up emails with PowerPoints about his techniques. Yes, more PowerPoints, just like he used in Brianne's case. You heard about that in episode two. When the interview's over, Detective O'Brien thanks Larry for coming in so fast. No problem, Larry says. This has been therapeutic. Thank you, though, for your time. Thank you for being you. You were, you were good. And just, it was comfortable to talk to you, you know what I mean? So okay. I appreciate that. Okay. Thanks. So. so as soon as you can, that would be your first piece of homework, send me those videos. videos. Um, I'll send you the videos tonight, Larry says. Get your popcorn. Get some popcorn. What, you know, from what you're showing me... Detective O'Brien tells him, hopefully we will have this all wrapped up before we both go on vacation. They shake hands, and she walks him out. Police did bring this case to prosecutors for review. The prosecutor's office decided not to charge Larry. We tried to talk to Detective O'Brien. She still works for MSU police, been promoted to assistant chief. 
But the police chief denied our requests, said the report has to speak for itself. So now, Larry's talked his way out of two different police investigations, once in 2004 and now again in 2014. And it wasn't just police who let Larry go. Coming up after the break, Michigan State University investigates Amanda's complaint. It does not go well. This message comes from NPR sponsor ESPN. The critically acclaimed 30 for 30 documentary series is now a podcast featuring original audio stories from the world of sports, the heroes, the controversies, and how what happens on the field can change everything. Listen to the new season of 30 for 30 on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Support also comes from Ripple Safety, revolutionizing the way we stay safe by providing users with a professional monitoring team of safety experts available to keep you or your loved ones safe 24 hours a day, anywhere in the U.S. Ripple is a tiny, discreet, dime-sized device that clips onto any keychain, bag, jewelry, or belt loop. At the push of this button, their team can send emergency services to the user's location. Order yours today at RippleSafety.com. Hey, it's Lindsay. If you're looking for more smart stories about complex, challenging topics, check out Planet Money. It's a show about economics for folks like me who would never otherwise listen to a show about economics. Promise. But you can learn how to launder money, how to launch a satellite. They go on adventures, like the time they drove the length of the world's largest yard sale. It's nerdy humor for people who want to get nerdier. You can find it in Apple's podcast app or anywhere else you get your podcasts. At the beginning of this episode, we told you there were two chapters to Amanda's story. We have now reached the second chapter. In 2014, since Larry was a university employee, Amanda's report triggered a federally mandated Title IX investigation. Title IX investigations look into whether somebody broke school rules, in this case, Michigan State University's sexual misconduct policy. These investigations are done by school staff, not by police. Two months after she reported Larry, Amanda remembers a school official calling her in for a meeting. They want to show her the results of the Title IX investigation. I mean, I was really nervous, but I thought that there was going to be some sort of trial or something. Like, that that's what the information was that I was going to get, was that, like, okay, we realize that this was sexual assault. Like, these are your options going forward. Amanda meets with a woman named Christine Moore. She's the Title IX investigator. And as Amanda remembers it, Moore sits her down and pulls out a sheet of paper. She puts it on the table and points to a simple diagram of a human body. And she was like, so this is where this manipulation happens. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're explaining to me that I wasn't sexually assaulted. That's what you're doing. Like, it's like, we talked to a lot of doctors. We talked to four women. It's like, oh, women. Well. There's something you should know about these four women Christine Moore interviewed. 
They're not patients of Larry's. They're all doctors or athletic trainers, and they all work with him at MSU. One is even a close friend of Larry's. But she had phrased it as she went to, you know, she talked to four female experts in the field, and they all said that what he did, well, it wasn't what they would do. It wasn't sexual, and that I had not been sexually assaulted, um, that it was medically sound. Ben, Amanda says, Christine Moore hands her an information packet, an information packet on sexual assault. She tells Amanda there's a support group on campus for sexual assault victims. Talk about mixed messages. And then Amanda remembers Moore apologizing profusely. I'm so sorry. There's nothing more I can do. And I told her, don't apologize to me. You're not sorry. And I slammed the door and I walked out. What Amanda didn't know in 2014 is that MSU did not give her the full report. Christine Moore kept one of her findings out of Amanda's copy. Sources shared that confidential section with us this year. In it, Moore sounds some major alarms. She says Dr. Nassar's treatments are medically sound. Those are her words. But what he's doing could get the school sued. Of course, in hindsight, we know MSU did get sued. This summer, the school settled for half a billion dollars. In that lawsuit, about 500 people say they were abused by Larry Nassar and that MSU could have stopped him sooner. But back in 2014, with Amanda's case, the Title IX investigator simply says that Larry is exposing patients to, quote, unnecessary trauma. Moore's report concludes the university must address the fact that one of our doctors is not getting patient consent. Patients may mistake his practice for, quote, inappropriate sexual misconduct. We asked to talk with Christine Moore. She declined our request. Since this 2014 investigation, she has been promoted. Christine Moore is now one of the university's top lawyers. After less than three months on leave from his job at Michigan State University, Larry is allowed back to work. With conditions. Larry would have to follow basic medical guidelines. Wear gloves, get consent, have a chaperone. We're talking really, really basic things that any doctor working with minors in their private areas should do. But despite all the warnings, nobody at MSU ever actually checks to see if Larry's doing any of these things. That means young girls and women keep streaming into Larry's treatment rooms, not just at MSU, but at USA Gymnastics and local gyms, a nearby high school, too, even at his home where Larry treats patients on a massage table in his basement. Some 70 survivors say they were abused by Larry after MSU cleared him to go back to work. It would be two years, 2016, until another MSU police detective would bring Larry in again. This time, he wasn't getting away. If there was uh, arousal, it's, 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 I mean, like, it, it, it would be because of whatever, I don't know, but I'm not trying to, you well, know, I mean, whatever. I just, I don't well, know. well, I don't you know. know, when you're a guy, sometimes you get an erection, you know what I mean, but I don't, it's, 
That's you get an erection when you're aroused. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you know, I mean, like I'm just saying that, you know, you, 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 um, uh, um, I'm not trying to. I'm, Larry's facade begins to fall apart, finally. That's coming up on the next episode of Believed. If you want to see some of the confidential portion of the Title IX report we were talking about, or watch excerpts of Larry's police interview, head to michiganradio.org slash believed. This week's show was reported by me, Kate Wells, and Lindsay Smith. Produced by Juliet Heinley with help from Paulette Parker. Edited by Sarah Hewlett with help from Allison McAdam. Engineered and mixed by Bob Scon. Jennifer Guerra is the show's executive producer. Zoe Clark is our program director. Our theme music is by Paul Brill. Additional music and scoring by Ramteen Arablui. Special thanks to Emma Winowicki, Jody Westrick, Rebecca Williams, Vince Duffy, Amy Tardiff, Len Niehoff, Nisa Khan, Hannah Rubinstein, Lara Molman, Zach Rosen, and Meg Kramer. And the folks at NPR, Mark Memet, Ashley Messenger, Camille Smiley, and Nigeri Eaton. We'll have a new episode of Believed on Monday. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It'll help more people find the show. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. We're at BelievedPod. Planet Money tip number 17. Sometimes, life is exactly like the movies. T-minus 30 seconds. They said T-minus. They said T-minus. Planet Money, a podcast about the economy and sometimes about rocket ships.